Oh, welcome back to the Line Podcast. Welcome back to Line Podcast. My name's Aaron Alexander. Today's super fun, uh, insightful conversations with the one and only Mr. Shaman Durek. Um, he is a pretty fascinating fella. He's a shaman of the the stars here in Hollywood and uh, Los Angeles and all over the place. His clients include all sorts of fascinating people, and he has been in this shamanic world since he was a little guy. And uh, so we, in this conversation, we get into what the heck that means in the first place and go into some wormholes that I don't really have a strong footing in. So it was a interesting conversation for that. I really had a good time. I hope you guys devour it. Enjoy it. Thanks so much for tuning in again. Thanks for checking out the website, alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com on there. Highly recommend people start the five day movement challenge, which breaks down five fundamental movement practices. Every person, I don't know why I'm talking like that. I apologize. It's annoying. Um, Breaks down five fundamental movement practices that uh, anybody that gives a dang about their body ought to sort out, including their daily existence. And uh, they're all super simple, easy, couple minute videos, change your life real quick. Um, I want to thank Blue Blocks for supporting this podcast. Blue Blocks is some of the raddest, most styliest blue blocking sunglasses that you will encounter. Um, they are really fantastic. I wear them not every day, but almost every every dang day, um, especially from traveling. That's when I'm like really on top of my, my blue blocking glass game. If you're gonna be in some like hotel room or some Airbnb where you don't know the lighting situation, um, I will utilize those things in the evening hours, a couple, couple hours or so before going to bed. So I recommend them. I think they're great. Uh, and you can get yourself 15% off on your purchase of some blue blocks. Uh, you go to blueblocks.com slash align. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash align. And you will get 15% off of your purchase. Highly, highly recommend grabbing yourself a pair of blue blockers. All right. I think we're good. Um, I finished the uh, book manuscript, which is pretty exciting. Uh, so that book will be coming out in December. And Shaman Durek has his own book, uh, Spirit Hacking, coming out October 15th, I believe it is. You can get you can uh, get it on the old pre-sale on Amazon and uh, get yourself in there. I'm looking at the subtitle here. Let's see here. Spirit Hacking. Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your Personal Power, Transform Yourself, and Light Up the World. Forward by Mr. Dave Asprey. All right, here we go. Back to the shizzy. Hope you enjoy. And uh, here we go. Pow. Align podcast. For someone, <clears throat> construction worker in New Jersey, potentially listening to this, how would you describe the spiritual body? I would describe the spiritual body as the, okay, so I'll give you an example. Let's say, for instance, you get afraid, okay? You have fear. Like when we were kids, we tell ghost stories by campfires. And people would get that chill that goes up the back of their neck. Mm. That chill, people don't, they think it's fear, but what they don't understand is that synthesis. That's your spiritual body. That's your spiritual self responding to energy. And that energy is as, is being, is, is, is being, the, it's like, how can I put it? It's being there so that way it can tell your body information that you don't see, information that you're not picking up on. So like you could be in a room and there could be uh, something in the room that you can't perceive, but your spirit body can. And so it sends an information, like a chill up your spine, or it, it sends information to you, and all of a sudden your mental body picks it up, and then your mental body starts looking for it, and then your mental body sends a mental uh, message to your emotions to feel fear. Or, and then all of a sudden your, your adrenals kick in, and then your, 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 your brain um, then starts uh, regulating your, your amygdala, and your amygdala sends another message and says, okay, this is where the fear is. And now your physical body is like running or it's fighting. And so it's, it's really this beautiful um, symbiosis of energy because without the spiritual body, we would not be able to, to survive as long as we have. We human beings don't understand that the biggest thing that is wrong with allopathic medicine, and this is kind of things I talk about when I get invited to speak on boards about health and you know, wellness and you know, mental health and all this different stuff, is that we 
as people have used the knowledge of symptoms as a way to decipher health. So we go based on these are the symptoms, let's heal the symptoms. But if you don't understand that the symptom came from somewhere and the only part of the body that knows where it came from is the spiritual part of the body. So the spiritual body is the synthesis. It has communicated to every single thing going on around you, inside of you, um, through your words, your thinking, through things that have affected you. Like you could, like I had this one woman who kept getting this rash on her body and she went to the doctor. She, um, <clears throat> she went to the doctor. She went to go to a dermatologist. She did all of these things to figure out like, why am I having this rash? Little did she know that the reason why she was having this rash is because the energy in her home, when she asked me to come in, I kept feeling this heavy energy inside of her home. And like, I kept going like, do you not feel this weighted energy in your home? She's like, I feel it every day I walk in the door, Derek. And I said, there's something off with your home. And so when I checked in shamanically, I realized that there was some kind of anger and frustration and all this stuff going on. So I went to the next door neighbor and I said, do you know the first people who lived here before she moved in? She goes, oh yeah, there was a couple, they fought all the time. They were fighting and fighting and fighting. I could, I bang on the door. I would call the landlord. I would do all of these things. They just kept fighting. I'm so glad they're not living there anymore. Boom. It made sense to me. I was like, mm. the reason why you're getting this rash is because you have a very acute sensitive system. Everyone's system is different. Some people have acute sensitive systems. Some people have systems that are to sound. So when they hear sound, it can, it can be too much for them. So it's all about finding out what regulates to each person. But for her, she was picking up on the echoes of that energy that was stored, that was still inside. That heaviness was that energy of fighting that they were dealing with. So what we had to do is clean out that energy. And then all of a sudden her rash went away. It was like her system protect, giving her a sign because anything that shows up physically for us, our physical is the last resort for our spirit to say, do something about this, this imbalance that's taking place. We think, oh, there's a rash. Let's put some ointment on it. Let's put this. But that's not the cause. That's the symptom. And that's the problem that I, that I come across a lot with people is that they don't pay attention to the core. They don't pay attention to the cause. They pay attention to the symptom. And the symptom is, um, is literally not giving people the real information. And so what was going on is that the rash, this, what this energy has affected her for so long. Finally, the body was like, we just can't take it anymore. It's like breaking us down inside. So now the body creates a rash through her epidermis, her epidermis, which connects to her nervous system, which connects to her syntax nerves is the part of the body that reg that regulates the, the, the strongest connection to your environment. So if people get like psoriasis, rashes, boils, things on their skin, it's because there's something in their environment. It could be a person. It could be the person they're with. It could be the things that are happening, or it could be the food they're eating that's causing an adverse reaction to the internal part of their body. And the internal part of the body would only create a rash if it was detrimental over a long period of time. The body will never show a symptom unless whatever is causing the cause of that imbalance, if a long period of time it happens, it will lead to cancer. It will lead to emphysema. It will lead to something that is going to become a life-threatening illness. So the body immediately sends a rash. It sends some kind of imbalance. And so as soon as that happened, once we changed it, the rash never came back. Mm. So this is why the spiritual body is so strong because this, when people, that's why I always say to people, we're never going to get to the health that we want to get on planet earth. If we keep looking at symptoms and we don't go into looking at the core and the cause of what developed those symptoms. If we keep using long range, um, diagnostics on the body instead of short range, which is basically looking at the markers inside of the body from all levels of the body, we're never going to truly have have health and wellness on this on this planet. We're never going to feel empowered enough to create wellness that can handle some of the major major life-threatening illnesses that we see today. Hmm. I think it's interesting um like you'll know like I grew up around uh Pennsylvania, around like near Philadelphia area, mm -hmm. Lancaster. And so into like Gettysburg, where there's like the Battle of Gettysburg, I love Gettysburg. and all these places. Yeah, and so mm -hmm. we're going to like cemeteries or going into that creepy house and you get like the chills of your back. You're like, Whoa, like what is this? Um, I notice all that stuff. And then I have like the analytical mind. that's like, you know, shut up. And then there's the other part that's like, what is that? Same 
Howard construction worker in New Jersey. How do you explain that to Howard construction worker in New Jersey? Like what that is? What is the chill or what is the, what is the, 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 the augmentation of the environment via past experience? Like how, how, how does experience shape a material object? To okay. Howard construction worker. Okay, got it. So I'll be, I'll do I'll be I'll do it in a very scientific way. Okay. <laughs> so everything you see around you is operating in what we call atomic form. Okay. So this couch we're sitting on has atomic form. Atoms in itself has an energy frequency inside the atom, which we call the electrons. The electrons are spinning inside of that atom. It creates an emittent wave. That means that everything that you see is actually vibrating and bouncing off of each other in what we call um oh, it's what it's called uh, wacky. Oh, sorry, called wacky. Wacky atoms. So wacky atoms are these atoms that are bouncing off each other so fast that it's creating this, it's creating what you call this form. This it creates a form. Now, every energy from music to words to uh, emotional um, behaviors, everything is, is connected to that energy of energy. So that means that if one energy force, let's say for instance, uh, a, a train is coming down a track, right? In order to stop that train, you have to have an equal size of force to be able to stop that train. Now, that's just basic understanding of how, you know, um, of, of, of the energy dynamics that we look at in shamanism. It's like looking at the energy compartmentalizations or the energy particle size structures. So if you have a train, you have to have a force that's just as strong to be able to stop that train on its tracks till it stops. And the same is with a car and the same is with someone's words or the same is with someone's thoughts. The same is with your movement and everything else. So Every energy that's around you is, is giving off energy. The food you eat is giving energy. The, the sun is giving you energy. Uh, sound is giving you energy. Everything is giving you energy, but there's different types of energy. There are frequencies and energy patterns. These frequencies and energy patterns are called elocutions. These elocutions create energy frequency wavelengths, and these wavelengths are basically energy frequencies that are operating at different wavelengths that have different tonal vibrations. And those tonal vibrations can get lodged into the walls, into the floors. They can get lodged into someone's body, for instance. Like if you have someone constantly calling you names over and over and over and over, the vibrational code of that frequency creates an energy frequency, a sound frequency inside of your body that gets trapped inside of your atoms or trapped inside of your liver or trapped inside of your spine. And that's the reason why music has such an effect on human nature because music manipulates those energies to move. So when someone dances and moves their body, they don't realize that the reason why they dance when music comes on is because the music that's being projected is moves through the air through buffers. Those buffers then telegraph through your ear. Your ear has these hairs inside of your ear that allow sound to be heard at different frequencies. Once those frequencies get in, it goes into your body and sends a wave into your bone structure. That your bone structure, your skeletal system, then it vibrates into your blood, into your bile, into your lymph, into your every part of your body. And then your body communicates back to it through all the energy particles in your system that are trapped need to move. So it tells your body, move your arm, move your leg, move your head, move. It starts making you find, then you get, this is what rhythmic is. Rhythmic is your body communicating to the sound that it hears and the sound is communicating to your body to remove those energies and that's why people dance. So the reason why people dance is because of that. So if you, if you, if you take it, let's take it back to what you were talking about. Let's say, for instance, there's the battles of Gettysburg, uh, like the, the Gettysburg address with the the Battle of um, Gettysburg. I forget. I remember going there. It was Gettysburg. Really, battle Gettysburg. of Gettysburg. Yeah, Battle yeah. of Gettysburg. Yeah, Gettysburg. That's not how you spell it. Actually, sometimes it's difficult. My my Anyways, language uh, English wasn't my first language. Okay, yeah. it's creepy out there, man. Oh, it's creepy. It's got a vibe. To it's it. so crazy. <laughs> I mean, like the cannons and everything. It's like I remember going shit. as a kid and being like, "Oh God." Yeah. So anyway. Let's take that, for instance. Whenever there's human suffering, okay? Whenever there's like um, pain that people experience, they are giving off an energy frequency. But the distortion of that energy frequency operates at a lower vibration, which means it can actually move in, stay, like it, it, it becomes a sediment. Like it stays on that vibration. It can't move because there's no high frequencies. High frequencies move faster than the speed of light. Low frequencies move lower than that. So, 
they stay in this very dense range of frequency. So that's why you ever had someone who's like very emotional and angry, and if they're an empathic person, they can transcribe that emotion and that energy outside of their body and cover the whole entire room, and you can walk in the room, and all of a sudden, you can feel their seethingness. You yeah, can, I always wonder about that. Yeah, you can feel their anger. That's because our body is emitting an electromagnetic pulse that goes on. That's why when I tell people, when people, when I hug people and they pat me on the back, it irritates the crap out of me because what they're doing is they're, bake, they're breaking up my electromagnetic frequencies from communicating to their electromagnetic frequencies, which then creates a synthesis. That means synthesis means that everything is communicating faster than the speed of light and gathering information so that there is uh, understanding so that cell communicates to cell. So this is why your body actually functions. Your body functions on synthesis. You, you can go to any doctor, any scientist and say, um, how, does my, how does my cell, how does my brain send information through my nervous system to tell my leg to move. They'll say synthesis. How does my, how does my um, heart know how, what, what, do I, what does it need to do in order to bring pump blood through my body? How does all of these things communicate? Synthesis. So when your body is in synthesis, when you are in an environment, there is synthesis happening in environment. In a lot of cultures like Asian culture, they believe very strongly that your environment actually affects your health. And then, so they get very much um, into how your environment is. They, they believe the more things you have in your environment, the more, and even Japanese people have the same thing. Um, they believe that you, the more sick you're going to be. And so, right. so clutter. Clutter, tiring right? because every single thing is creating synthesis. And so all of the things you have in your environment are talking to your brain and your brain is then sending it to your emotions and then your emotions are now feeling it. And then your physical body is now getting um, projected that into your liver, into your organs, your kidneys, your spleen, everything is telling your body. So if you have clutter in, around, it tells your brain, to, it tells your brain uh, suffocation. Your, your brain then transmits that to your emotions. All of a sudden you start feeling your emotional, you start feeling feeling repression in your emotions. When you feel repression in your emotions, your blood slows down. Your blood starts coagulating. It starts slowing down. Why? Because your blood and your, your body's uh, way it moves and the way it uh, regulates itself is through how you feel. So you could literally like... Uh, and there's and there's monks in Tibet that in the early 70s where they put gasoline on themselves and set themselves on fire and they didn't they stayed completely still and let themselves burn as a demonstration to the people during the Vietnam War. People are like, how did they do that? There are people in cultures who can stick pins through their arms and feel no pain whatsoever. When I was on dialysis, I went into my synthesis and changed the code of my synthesis so that I didn't feel those those pencil-like needles as you can see in my arm pencil-like needles going into my arm two at a time, one in the top, one in the bottom, the size of a pencil going into my arm three times a week, excruciating pain. And when I first felt the pain, I was like, okay, I got to turn off this part of my arm. This is being shut off, going in my system, done, turned off. So that way I couldn't feel the pain because I couldn't go through that for 10 years of experiencing one of these needles every single week, three times a week, the size of a pencil entering my arm. It was like crazy. So the thing is, explaining back to the, to the Gettysburg. Gettys. Gettys. Thank you. Thank you for correcting. You know, that's just, yeah. I think it's Gettys apostrophe. Yeah. So Getty is probably like a dude. G E T T, I don't know, Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Look that okay, we'll Gettysburg. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Gettysburg. Gettys. Are you saying Gettings? You know what? Just say it for me. Do you want to wrestle right now? <laughs> I will. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? <laughs> I will fight about this. Uh, say it again. How do you say it? Gettys. Gettys. Yeah, Gettysburg. Gettysburg. <laughs> That's probably why my teacher was annoyed with me. That's what I'm going to have to call this podcast. This is going to be podcast of Gettysburg. There we go. Yeah. I mean, literally, I left school when I was in junior high. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever. The point is, is that um, the energy sediment is there still. So, the echoes are playing out there. And this is actually stuff that people scientifically can measure. They can measure these frequencies and you can measure frequencies now, which is amazing. And I think it's beautiful because 
science has its component. That's why I love in shamanism, we have a great respect for science. We have a great respect for allopathic. We have a great respect for holistic, but our biggest thing is about how do we create an awareness of all sides of, and bring them together in a hub, like an informational hub, an educational hub, that people learn that it's not just about allopathic, holistic. It's about how do we bring them together to create a symbiosis of knowledge for health and wellness on planet Earth. And so that's where shamans are like, that's where our frustration comes in is like, how do we engage that conversation? Which is what I've been doing. I work with a lot of doctors worldwide. I've even worked in a lot of hospitals. I work in a lot of hospitals in Turkey, Israel, cancer wards, you name it. And I get invited by doctors to come in and sit with them, talk with them, look under their microscope, learn how to understand what's going on with the patient and then give them my scope of what I see shamanically. Because we see things shamanically different because we look from the spiritual angle versus how they're looking at it, which is based on symptoms. And the interesting thing, going back to what we were saying, about being in an environment. If you walk into an environment with someone who, let's say you're married to someone who just constantly complains every single day, okay? That's an aggressive marker. Then that person is always like making sure you feel their emotions. They have no emotional, they have no uh, what I call emotional responsibility. So what they do is their empath, they, they, I call it pushing. They push their emotions into the room like a dark cloud. And their whole thing is they want you to feel their suffering so you can sympathize with them, sure. which is so manipulative because the idea of making someone feel your suffering, you have to understand one thing and one factor is this, no one suffers the same. No matter how many things you've gone through, when people say, oh, I totally understand the pain you're going through, no the hell you don't. You don't know what pain I've gone through because my understanding of pain is, is, is riddled by AVK, my audiovisual kinesthetic, my experience of life from the time that I was a child, from the first smells I've smelled, the food that I ate, the toys I played with, the, the environment that I was in, all are indicative markers of how I perceive the world. So the way I perceive the world will always be different from how you perceive the world. Now, we may have certain ideas, philosophies, certain beliefs about things that are similar, but is how I feel like if I rub my hand, against your arm like that and you do it to me, we, uh, what I feel will not be the same as what you feel. I don't know what you'll feel, but I know what I feel. And so where we are not creating a conversation in society is that we're not creating a conversation where human beings are recognizing this very key component of the differences of how people perceive the world. And so when you're talking to, like when the doctors told me after I died and came back and they brought me back. How long were you, were you officially dead? Four, four minutes and 35 seconds. Damn. Yeah. I had brain damage because of not having enough oxygen to my brain. They told me I was going to be a vegetable for the rest of my life, that I should go to the hospital because they didn't think I was going to survive. I, fought, I died. They brought, me, they brought me back. I died again. They brought me back. I died again. Finally, they realized they couldn't sustain my life, so they put me into uh, induced coma when they, until they could figure out how to get my body to sustain. And even then, afterwards, even when I was in the hospital and not able to function, not able to walk, 25 blood clots in my body, a big sign above my bed that said, don't touch my body because the blood clot could engorge, I mean, go to my heart and my heart could stop. Whoa. Um, feeding tube. What's the sign look like? Uh, it's just a sign that says, don't massage him. Don't, don't like do uh, anything because he has blood clots. clots. Yeah. And um, feeding tube, uh, life support, you name it. And me putting my body back together and having doctors get in my face and tell me, um, you know, you're, you, you should go to the hospice after here because you might not make it through this because we've never seen anyone recover from a 10.6 potassium. What is that? What is ten, so what is that like millisomething, grams, liters? What, no, 10.6 potassium mean? is just the level of potassium inside of your blood per millimeter of blood. All right. Yeah. So if you, so for most people, and I remember I was, t I was having a conference with a bunch of doctors in, and they wanted to learn more about um, these shamanic understandings. They, when I told them about the 10.6 potassium, they literally must, they were like stunned looking at me. Like, how could you be walking right now? Hmm. How is it that you're even talking right now? How are you here? Like to them, they just, there's like, there's no resuscitation. There's no way to get someone back from a 10.6 potassium. It's impossible to regenerate the body from a 10.6 potassium. That means all of your organs would have shut down and died. Hmm. And I'm still, I'm, I'm here. So what are like actionable steps for people that maybe aren't experiencing like death per se, but I think there's a lot of 
micro trauma or maybe you know larger than that but we all have little traumas that we hang on to that creates stiffness and contraction and kind of like damming up different parts of the body um how does one even first start to be able to witness that in the first place to be able to address like oh yeah i do i have been holding my shoulder in a way or holding my pelvic floor in a way or you know, I've had this tension for 20 years. I don't even realize it's just, it's just like a, you know, I don't even see it anymore. Yeah. How do we start to address that? And what, 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 what will we actually do with it? Okay. Well, first of all, we have to understand the body part as according to the psychological degree of how in which you're gathering information. So the body is very connected to your psychology, right? Yeah. So uh, let, let's, kind of, let's, just, just, let's just talk pain for a second, okay? What I find very fascinating um, in my training as a kid when I was learning about shamanism and our theory on pain and how we operate from pain. So if someone stuck a knife in your leg, okay, that's gonna hurt like shit, right? But you pull the knife out, your, red, your white blood cells will close it up and your wound will heal and so forth, or you might need to get stitches to help the, help the healing process. But eventually that's gonna, that's, you're gonna scar over and that, is, that pain is gonna be gone. Hurt is what we hold on to. Hurt is a psychological degree of what we call cycling information. It means that you've gone through the pain, but you didn't let go of the memory that is to cycling the hurt. So what ends up happening is your body holds that inside of its synthesis and then creates and then creates more pain for you because you are holding on to hurt. So you keep you keep magnetizing more of that into your life. So. First, we have to understand the difference between hurt and pain because a lot of times people will be like, oh my God, my back is in pain, but your back is in pain because you're holding on to hurt. So your body has to keep adjusting itself back to the hurt that you're holding on to. So a lot of people don't realize that the spine represents your support system. So whenever you have problems in your back and your spine, it means, it means two things shamanically. One, your support system sucks. It means that whatever your support system is, it's not the one for you. It means that you don't feel like you have the right support system. It could be family, it could be friends, or it could be the way in which you treat yourself. The, the support system is not in alignment. That means your home is not in alignment. Something is not supporting you, yeah. so it affects that. Now, we have to look at the levels of what that support is, so it depends where it is in the back. Let's say, for instance, your upper neck and shoulder. It means you're taking on too much, you're putting too much on, you don't have a support to make sure that you can handle the things you're taking on. Let's say it's just subscapularis, your upper latimus dorsi, a little bit lower towards the back, towards the thoracic vertebrae. That is all relationship stuff. That's all community. It's all world stuff. It's all about how you feel about the world, what you see about the world, the pressures, your anxieties of um, putting expectations on yourself, all of these things that you feel should you have to do, the things you feel you have to do, the things that you feel... Um, are putting pressure on you from the world. The upper back is more the pressure you're putting on yourself. The middle back is more the pressures that you feel from the world. So your middle back is holding that. And then let's say, for instance, your lower back, right, which is your lumbar, your lower sacrum, your, your, upper, um, your upper hips area near your iliac crest. Okay, those parts of your body represents anger. It means that you're storing anger inside because you don't have what you need and you don't have what you need in the sense of it could be financial, it could be uh, what you need to have comfort, what you, excuse me, what you need to have um, balance in your life. Uh, it could be a multiple of things. Between the variables of your lower lumbar and your upper thoracic, you also have these markers of hurt that can occur because of anger that you stored in from family, things that you've stored in from the past. So let's say, for instance, um, you had a mom who was very erratic and she's constantly, constantly complaining and she's constantly pouring into you all her problems, everything about what she feels about her life, where things aren't fair, how she's this, how she's that. You will take all of that into your lower back and between your thoracic vertebrae and your lumbar, that's what it will engage itself in. And the reason why is because that's the place that connects to family. It connects to the part of your, um, your, 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 your bloodline, your, your upbringing, you know? So it's all connected to your, your, your feeling of taking on other people's energies. When people take on other people's energies to the point where it's so much, it shows up between those places. When you put too much, uh, when you're when you're being hard on yourself, meaning like, like, like being a person who feels like you have to be in the grind all the time and that you have to be perfectionist and you have to be all these things because if you're not, this horrible thing is going to happen, neck and shoulder, upper trapezius, deltoids, upper sternocleidomastoid and scalenes all uh, focus on um, that 
situation is connected to that. So that's the first thing we have to understand is where the hurt is located in the body. Why would these be site specific, these emotions? Why would they manifest in certain parts of the body? Because your body sends synthesis to those parts because your body is built like a story, okay? So your spine represents your support uh, we can go through the whole body if you like. So the spine represents your support. Your upper neck and shoulders um, deal with what you allow on you. So like what is on you. Like if you have pain here, it means that something is weighing down on you, right? Um, your ability to stretch and be flexible is also your ability to be stretched and flexible within your mind. That's why in yoga or in, uh, in the in the mudra mudras and the sutras, you know, the idea of being able to stretch is being able to your the more flexible your body is, that means the more flexible your mind is. That means that your consciousness has created, a, um, how do we call it, um, mental um, immunity. That means you have more mental immunity. And so most people think that the immune system, which is connected to your thymus gland, your lymphatic system, and how your body um, creates T cells so that your body can like fight off bacteria and viruses and all of these things, is your immunity. That's your, your physical immunity and how much free radicals you have in your body and what kind of foods you eat and how much toxins are being released out of your body and your gut health as well as your your um, your intestinal health really affect your physical immunity. So but your gut health is also connected to your brain health. So your your gut is like your second brain. And in shamanism, we see as your, your stomach and your digestive, we call this the bowl. So whenever we do shamanic, um, any type of shamanic touching or working on people with our hands, we push into points of their bowl because the bowl holds a lot of your psychological things that are affecting you. Because if your gut health is bad, we know your brain, your, your thinking is off. Your thinking is off, your brain is off, your limbic stem's not getting rid of old cells, your body, your, your your body um, is uh, is overloaded. That means your brain is overloaded because you're you're thinking too much. And there are people they burn they're burning their brains out. If you're literally burning you're burning your gut out. People who have ulcers have um, they're thinking too much in their head. There's too much going on. So your body. Um, again, is this instrument. It's a beautiful instrument. And every part of your body connects to something in life. And so the way, and it's funny too, and even not only just our bodies, like if here's something just to add to you, to add to it. Every animal and tree and nature and everything that connects to the environment, such as the ocean or the sun or anything, also connects to an aspect of your body. So like for instance, if we kill off all the dolphins on planet Earth, the part of our brain that governs our movement in our body, which is the um, the gray, the white and gray matter in our in our brain, our brain barrier, will not function anymore because every animal is also connected to us, and so it's this. Beautiful- where would you draw that connection from? What do you mean? Like, where's where? What's the? It's that's like a. I'm I'm I mean I'm fairly in agreement, honestly, but I don't know why I would be exactly. But where's the, that's a big jump saying our the gray matter in our, in our brain or our personality or our thought because in shamanism, the because in that sh- specific part I'll explain because in shamanism, the first thing you learn is that everything that exists in the ecosystem exists inside of you and every animal is connected to a part of our being. So in shamanism, dolphins, whales, um, mammals that are in the water connect to the part of that part of our brain. So when it's been, it's, it's how do we connect it? It's just something we're taught in lineage. So in a lot of cultures and a lot of, um, how do you say, like Eskimo culture, culture, uh, Nordic culture, um, African culture, uh, Mongolian culture, we know that animals play an integral part in, in our systems. And if we destroy those animals and we destroy the earth, we actually are destroying the synthesis that connects to those parts of our body. So the more, those animals are out of the water, we don't realize that why those mammals are in that ocean is not just so they can swim around and we say, oh my God, it's so cool. They have dolphins and whales. They represent a, so, a sonic energy frequency that, that is, they cannot, they, they're, let me put it to you like this. The reason why they're sonic and they send sonic frequencies through the water is because their vibration is so high that they balance the water element throughout all of the global atmosphere and atlas. That water affects us. 
the moon affects us through our water element. When we have an imbalance within our spinal cord, our eyes will pop out. Our body, our, we are, we, our tongues will come out of our mouth. Your tongue also governs how your spine and how your body is. So if you, in shamanism, we could like look at where your tongue is direction. We pull your tongue out of your mouth and we watch it go back in. We can tell where there's a disalignment in your body. And we can also tell what you're thinking and what's causing that disalignment in your, like what's making that problem in your body. Because every part of your body is connecting to synthesis, synthesis both internally, externally, and into the, into, uh, um, the natural environment would we be equally would dolphins or any 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 sea critter or mammal would they be equally connected to the whereabouts of human beings or is it more like no it's based on the energy of the, what holds the containment of the whole entire planet or do you mean like where someone resides <laughs> no so so you said if something happens to the dolphins then that affects the humans if something happens to the humans would that affect the gray matter or whatever cortex of, of dolphins as well? Or is it more kind of like a... They'll be affected, but not in the sense of if the, the, the effect would be stronger on our end mm. because we indigenated with the animal species. We mm. were not just... Um, how do you say there, the animals keep the ecosystem in, in going, right? And we have not adapted ourselves to keeping the... We're not, we're not a species... We're, we're like a subspecies, if I was to put it, we're not a species that keeps the ecosystem going. The ecosystem doesn't really need us to survive. Hmm. It needs them, hmm. but doesn't need us. Why are humans here? Humans are here. To <laughs> I love you. You're so great questions. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. You're like, then what's the point of humans being here? Well, I don't know what the well, point of anything shamanism, is. Well, the reason why we say humans are here is because we feel that this planet is held in a dark realm. And mm. so the darkness um, has trapped a lot of our brothers and sisters in a dimension that most humans can't see, but they can hear. They don't know they're hearing it. Every time you have a negative voice in your head, it's, it's, those dark, it's those brothers and sisters in that dark realm that are speaking through your mind to get you to help them get out of that realm. But in only, the only way we could do it was to come to this planet. But to exist on this planet, we needed a biological spacesuit. And this body is the biological spacesuit. We are not of this body. We borrow this body. Our, where we come from, our light is so atomic. That's the reason why we have to eat food. That's why we have to constantly keep filling up this body, filling up this body, filling up this body. Because that, because we are borrowing this body to exist in an oxygenated planet. Our system needs to have everything that this planet represents. That's why I tell people, you know, if your body's made of earth, air, fire, water. So let me give you an example. Your, your bones represent earth. Your muscles represent fire. Your blood, semen, vaginal fluid, spinal fluid, lymphatic system fluid. All the liquids of your body is the water and your breath is the air. Any one of those that don't get, any one of those that don't get replenished, you will die. Anything in nature that if the oceans were to stop or the river stopped or the rain stopped or people keep cutting trees, people don't even know anything about trees. People look at trees and they're like, oh my God, it's a beautiful tree. Trees take the water, store it into the earth and then re release gases into the air and those fluffy, beautiful white clouds that are fluffy, fluffy clouds, they go and pick up all the condensation and the water and create rain, which gives us ozone, which allows us to be able to keep our cells and our body and our ability to function as human beings and get crops and food and things to eat. The, the trees that are cut down when there's not enough trees to create that gas, the clouds are lithless. They are see-through. They are uh, broken up. Those are called dangerous clouds. Those are the ones that create hurricanes and tornadoes, and they create uh, flash, uh, fires that, that can come out of nowhere because they heat the earth. They create um, a, a frying pan effect on the earth, which creates desertification, which is why we, right, we have eight years right now before we hit huge global desertification and we're going to have human migration. So, you know, the thing is, is that the ecosystem is super smart. That's why I tell people, stop fucking with the nature code. The ecosystem is so smart. And we as human beings, we come in and we're like, because we have God consciousness in us, we have this God complex, we think we own everything. So we're like, oh yeah, 
we're going to go ahead and change this cell, even though nature's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this cell is perfect. This, this, this blueberry is perfect. You don't need to have mass blueberries. We create the food that's necessary at the time that it needs to be. You put in a blueberry in your mouth today, and it's been modified. Your body goes, what the heck is this? Sure. Because your body is knows the synthesis of nature because it's a code. They're reading, your body's reading code. Nature's reading code. Everything is reading each other. So you throw in that blueberry in your mouth that's been, uh, that's been um, modified. Your body goes, what is this? And now you wonder why we have more allergies. People have, I mean, I've never, I remember, I'm born 1974. I remember being in the 70s, in the 80s. There, I didn't have tons of friends who had food allergies. People were eating whatever the hell they wanted. Now everyone's like, I can't eat that. I'm gluten. If I have gluten, I have this thing. I can't do that. I can't do this. It's because we are fucking with the nature code. Yeah. And we as human beings have this arrogant behavior like, it's okay, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Your body is a living organism. Your cells are living. Your organ is living. It even has its own consciousness. I proved that to Dave Asprey when I was in his, on, his, on his podcast. He, he asked me, you know, what, you know, he goes, how, do you, how does the, the organs have consciousness? And I explained it to him and he was like, oh my God, I, I see what you're talking about. Their, your body is a living consciousness. Every single thing is communicating to you daily. That's why when your home is messy, you're messy. I say, people, I can go to someone's house, walk in their door, and from the moment I take off my shoes and walk in their house, I can tell you what kind of person they are. What kind of person am I? I'm a you weirdo, are, that's for sure. <laughs> I want to say you're a weirdo. I would say that Certainly. you are the type of person who's very direct and focused about the things that you want to have. So you're, you have them in quadrants. You have things in your home that are set up in places for you to interact with them. You don't have them all set up around each other. You have them like, okay, now I'm going to go do the, the, the cold thing. Now here's the thing for the thing. They're all in compartments. That's true. And your home also has, uh, you're like a productive person. So what you do is you make everything look productive like it's like it would almost be like if i walked into a room and someone's like do you want to do art here's the art station you want to do dance here's the dance station you want to do um you want to learn about engineering here's the engineering station they're not all clustered together yeah. you because it tells me what kind of mind you have it tells me that your mind that needs to see and be fully engaged what you're doing in the moment of what you're doing and have no other distractions that are distracting you which means what which means that you will be able to step in situations where you'll have good discipline you'll be able to go into situations where you can sit and listen to people for a long period of time and you will be able to you know to understand things so you'd be really good at listening to be mediation you'd be good at like helping people to understand how to separate themselves from distraction how to pull themselves away from things that would actually distract them or cause a hindrance to them in their growth you'd be able to create systems for them to get into to isolate your isolator you'd be about isolation isolate this body part isolate this move this thing move that thing get here get there because you can tell by the way your home is set up and you can tell the things that you care most about the first thing you do when you walk in you have this uh hanging contraption where you hang sex upside swing. down sex swing whatever you want to call it <laughs> call it a sex swing right. call it what it is but no it's it, not a, i haven't had sex in that but the thing it's is that's high. what i'm saying and then you walk in you look right behind your door you have a, a thing that has all of your things that you're going to be doing your book thing okay i have a book thing i'm meeting here i'm going to this workshop blah 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 oh and then there's even some like words on there this tells me what type of person you are so homes de depict people's energy and in shamanism we look at people's dwelling we look at their relationship. We look at their friends. We, if their friends are just like them, we know that person is um, a, has fear of the unknown. Yeah, wants to stay in the container. They want to stay in the container. They want they want same same. I call it same same. It's right. like my little joke. I call it same same. Yeah. They, we, we look at um, their relationship. If they're in a relationship where the person is, they're constantly needing attention from each other, we know that they have, they need to feel filled and codependent with another person in order to thrive. If they're in a relationship where someone is doing their own thing and they're doing their own thing, we know that they're learning how to build relationships that are based on independence and also collective understanding. So they're amplifiers. They know how to amplify energy, which means that if they can create that kind of relationship, they probably have the same with their friendships. So there's all these things that we learn in shaman as children that we, we, we bring into our practice when dealing with people on, on, who come to me and says, I have cancer. Okay, great. Uh, let's look at it from all these different angles. Let's look yeah. at the angles of maybe you have cancer because you're living in a cold climate and your body wants warmth. 
Maybe you have cancer because you constantly have friends that you go out lunch with and you just constantly sucking in all those echoes totally. of negative energy. And perhaps you have cancer because you can't stop eating that candy bar every night and you're constantly watching the news every morning. It could be a multiple of different things. What, I, what we do in shamanism is we have to isolate every aspect of their synthesis through their spiritual body and then look at how their spiritual body is communicated their mental body. Then we talk to the mental body. We find out what their mental processes are. Then we look at the emotions. And remember, a lot of what happens in the world for people is based on perception, which is a what, which by the way, and I was like, it's like my all-time favorite is like, human perception to me is like I get like a nerd when it comes to perception like literally like that's why I like I like to geek out with my friends who are scientists because we get into this whole idea of perception the idea of perception is that human beings go into these ideas that human beings see things exactly the same and so they expect other people to understand them and get them and relate to them right. which is really funny because <laughs> it's like it doesn't work like that way there are so many doorways of perception and in order for us to become what I call a neutral or much more expanded human being, we have to become able to be able to see other perceptions without feeling threatened of our own. And so that's when we actually create what is called a, a true understanding of, of, of global understanding, of you know, integration understanding. That's when we start, ed education goes up. That's when we, we, we change the system of psychology to we change the system of how we operate in ourselves because we realize, oh, there's a different perception going on. So if I ask someone to, to tell me who I am, they can't really tell me who I am, they can only tell me who, what they are and what they see through the lens that they see me. Right. So it creates this whole thing. But when I died and I went to the other side, what was really cool for me was the dying process sucked like shit. I mean, I can tell you, I'm not going to lie. Every time I, and people ask me about it in the media, I go, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. The pain, the death pain, the pain of me dying. I said, the next time I leave the earth, I'm going to just fall asleep. Like my grand, my grandmother died. She said she was going to die by closing her eyes and taking three deep breaths. And that's exactly how she died. I want what I want that. The actual dying part sucked. I would think the dying part would be almost like, like a load off. No, the part of separation was the load off. Yeah. The physical pain of dying. Before dying. What for me and the way I died was so painful and so literally, um, yeah, it was, it was like a horror film for me. Huh. Yeah, it was really like I never want to die like that. Do you have dad. a memory of actually uh, going flatline? Absolutely. What's uh, that like? Scary as all hell. Because I was the whole <laughs> I would imagine. I mean, literally while I was dying, I was like, I knew I was dying. And then the other part of me, like, remember I told you I'm a fighter. So yeah. the other part of me, the fighter was like, no. So I was like yeah. fighting my body and I couldn't because it was, it was just, you know, one thing was shutting down, next thing was shutting down. And then at that point, you, you get this realization that you're dying and you have to accept it. And everyone's going to have that moment. And you can't avoid it, and it happens. You get this one real, it's just like, it hits you. It's like, you're dying, just finally give in. And so at that point is when the surrender comes in, and that's when the, the release comes in. But before that release, if you're a person who's a fighter like me, I was fighting it. You know, and that made it more painful. And yeah. I have, I work with a lot of people who die. I work in a lot of um, hospices and I do a lot of work with people who are about to pass away. And I, and especially long-term deaths, like where people suffer for long periods of cancer or long periods of terminal illnesses that can go on for five, six years of suffering. It's horrible for them. I could, I, I mean, I, 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 every time I deal, like when someone calls me and says like, Hey, you know, there's a long-term sufferer. We would love for you to come in. I go in there and I'm like, I'm going to help you do a speed death on you. I'm going to like get you through all the reasons why you're holding on. And I'm, because I know what it looks like and I know what it feels like. And I'm going to just brush you through the course really quick. And then you'll be, you'll die tomorrow. And it like, so that way, because the process of holding on takes so much physical inertia, mental inertia, and emotional inertia of that fight. But once you give in and you hit that moment of, I'm going to accept my death. Like I remember my aunt was dying and she would go under her bed and be like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. She would scream it. But when I was dying, I was screaming in my head, I changed my mind. I don't want to die because I was so scared. And then finally, you just kind of that, that light comes on inside of your brain or your, your brain or your spirit just says, you're dying, dude. So <laughs> you let go. Like, I wonder if you like have a kid or some type of intellectual spawn or something that's like, 
your DNA continues if death would be easier. Like I could like I feel like death for me at this moment would be shit because I'd be like, Oh no, I didn't like get the thing out. You know, I didn't have a child. Mm. But I wonder if there's some evolutionary like, cool, like I got the thing out and I passed on the code if that would like create relief. You know, it's interesting, but I think even in that, you're talking about genetic coding, like having a child that carries on your legacy. Yeah, you're like, I'm still kind of here. We're good. See, I think the whole idea of children bearing is not for everyone. I think the idea of giving your DNA code is not necessarily going to be the DNA code that your child is going to have. What people don't understand is that ancestral lineage is not about carrying on what your ancestors did. It's about actually rebelling against what your ancestors did. It's about finding every marker of choices they made that was actually depleting life, taking life, holding repression, creating any kind of form of uh, disillusionment or whatever, it's like rebel, 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 rebel. I remember being a kid and my dad would say things to me and I'm like, not taking that one on. Next. And he would be like, oh, and when I was, when I was, you know, this, I went through that. And I'm like, dad, honestly, all these stories and all these things that you're passing on to unlock these genetic codings inside of me so that these things now become my curse that I'm taking on from our, your great, 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 great grandfather who made a decision and passed it down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And you want to pass this shit down to me? It ends here. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think people are more evolved now? Cause we're kind of doing like a weird dance where we're like, we're like devolving. You know, but then at the, at the same time, we are continuing to slough off the old shit from ancestors and parents and such. But if you look at like the physical bodies and like, you know, the autonomy of most individuals, we're like, we're pretty well screwed if you leave us out in the woods too long. I mean, <laughs> I think we're, I think we're evolving in some areas and I think that we are learning. I think this is a period of learning and taking responsibility, which is the ability to show up with love towards the things that we've been stuffing under the rug. I think when it comes to the, um, to the body and how we, our ancestors were, our ancestors were not as lazy as we are. Yeah, human beings have become very sedentary and they become very comfortable in their sedentary behaviors yeah. because why would they? Technology is actually makes you a user, right? Technology is built in this masculine way to make you look at things and be a user. It's not educating you and saying, hey, this is who you are. Get off your ass and go do this. Like go take a walk or like go do this mountain climb. Like, and also like my dad used to, my dad was very strong. He's always be like, you know, I'm so strong and he was very strong. But I realized he was reason why he was so strong because he was he was always doing some labor on some level, you yeah. know, like you know, chopping wood for my grandmother to heat up the water because she had a person coming over to do a shamanic healing and they had to put them in, in hot water. So you had to chop wood to heat the fire to heat the tub so yeah. they could do the thing. So there was always this thing of like going out, getting cutting down the tree, chopping up the wood. You know, it, it, there was always some activity. Whereas like when people get out of bed first thing in the morning, the first thing they do is hit their computer, check their Instagram, you know, like do everything that keeps them in that place of stillness where they're looking at something. Whereas like what I love about you um, and why I'm so happy that we're friends and what I love about you is like you move, you know? And like for me, when I get up in the morning, I dance. I get up in my room, I throw on salsa, I get on some music, I start dancing, I salsa around my room, you know, I do my dancing before I get on my computer, before I do the shamanic passages, which are all about, um, you know, connecting and opening up powerful energies through movement, you know, because for me, it's about um, being able to like connect with me first and then I will go into that world. But I want to connect in myself first. I want to feel my body. Sometimes I'll stretch because I feel um, I, as a human being, I feel alive in that sense. I feel like, you know, there was this, this movie called WALL-E and I remember la- I, I, if that movie freaked me out because it was all these like people who were sedentary and they were like moving around in these chairs where they were sedentary, weren't walking. Like everything was about these big gulp uh, sodas and things of this nature. And, you know, the whole understanding is that, that when you talk about the evolution from where we were and our ancestors, I think that there's a lot of beautiful things that our ancestors left behind. Sure. I do. 
But I think as far as when it comes to the cultural acceptance, understanding how people choose to observe God, how understanding how, how we adapt in life, not from a very slave mentality, which is like we have to go to college, get a degree, and that's how we're going to get our job. And then we'd be dependent upon that job until we get our pension tech, our check. Then we could take a vacation and then, you know, play golf once in a while and then get cancer and die. Like, that's not fun. Like, I think the idea of, of us creating a new independent line within ourselves of like, like what it means to live life, where it's not this methodical, linear way of living life, but we actually become adventurous. Like we look at life as an adventure, that it's not like, oh, I have to wait till I retire before I jump out of an airplane. Just jump out of the airplane now, yeah. you know? And I think there's, you know... Um, a beautiful essence about like, like with you what I love about you is you'll be like okay we do the hot we did the cold thing okay now let's go walk on the street barefoot like you know in our like you know you're in your underwear I'm in my bathing suit but pretty much naked pretty much naked <laughs> exactly and the, but the thing is is that what I love about it is that we just did it you like we just do it and what I love about being about around you is that you just do it and you open me up to things that I don't do and and it's nice because it's a challenge for me and then I look at it and I go why why am I creating a resistance why am I creating why Right. You know, why did I get out of the cold thing so quickly? You know, um, like why am, what is it, what is my resistance, right? So then I go, oh, I need to spend more time with him. He's helping me. And then I go, oh, I can help him with the shamanic understanding of things. And it's, so it creates this beautiful relationship. And I think that's what life is about. And I think what, what, what happened with our ancestors is that our ancestors were so busy surviving and, and operating from the idea of creating some form of survival, they didn't have enough time to be those adventurous. Well, I'm not saying all ancestors, because some ancestors were adventurous, but at the same time, it was all connected still to that survival, that survival mechanism of building a family, building a home, having, having children, having an offspring, having a business, having something that's yours. Whereas now, it's like, it's not about that. It's about how do we live to our fullest potential? Like I was talking yeah. to my sister this morning and she said to me, I don't want to die not doing everything I want that I didn't get a chance to do. She's like, I want to live to my fullest, like to my fullest, meaning not to the fullest of like being the fullest in the sense of the fullest meaning, not like not shutting myself down in some repressive place, but letting myself be open to all types of things and go on the journey of what it feels like, how it feels, the expression of life. So I think that changing the genetic coding on earth, I also think that's why there's gay people on earth because I, in shamanism, African shamanism, we call the gay community, which we don't really see as the gay community, we call them the bridgers, the gatekeepers, mm -hmm. to bring us into our fifth, uh, fifth dimensional element because the imbalance between masculine and feminine on the planet it has actually caused so much suffering amongst a men and women. The male energy of being super, super masculine and not being able to relate femininely uh, have the feminine perspective means that they do not have the developed amygdala. They don't have the developed ability to see things quantumly. So they operate in linear, linear, get things done, make things happen. Look at what I've done. Whereas women operate in the field of quantum. They walk into a room, they see the exits, they see the possible dangers. They see all the possible dangers that could happen on top of those possible dangers. And it gives them a greater proclivity and understanding of their environment. So they, that's why you see a lot more women doing more spiritual things, a lot more life transformation transforming things, reading more self-help books, because they see that evolution is necessary. Whereas men, because we're taught that to be men, we have to, you know, we have to be strong. We have to, you know, we have to have money in the bank. We have to, like, so we've created this kind of like really false understanding of being a male that we've, we've entertained that into our lives and that limits us from having a greater understanding of our world. So we operate in linear form and the, the understanding of the gay community was supposed to bring the balance of one, stop making babies because not everyone needs to be having babies. Like this is ridiculous. There are so many children. I've been to so many orphanages in the world and they're packed and overloaded and no, these kids need homes and no one's taking them because other, because other couples want to have their own child. I'm not saying that everyone is this way, but I'm saying there's a great majority. There's an overflow. When you have gay people who want babies, they're taking those babies out of those orphanages. So I think that nature is super smart. Why does amphibious animals can change their sex if they want to for survival? I think that earth 
knows that we are overpopulated. We are eating up all of our resources. We do not have enough resources to be to develop um, the way that we're building our resources. We're taking so much from the earth. So there's got to be something that stops us from constantly creating more people who are going to create need more resource. So everything is equally balanced. But the thing is, because we don't accept it and because we don't see how nature's code is so perfect, we think something's wrong with it, we judge it, we condemn it, we make it wrong, and it puts us into a place where we become stagnant and we actually start killing our own selves. We're suffocating our own evolution because of our judgments, our fears, our phobias, and our inability to educate ourselves. And so I think in what we can do as people is, not, is to say, okay, I may not understand that, so because I don't understand it, I'm not going to judge it. And then until when I get the information, when I get the true understanding, then I can go into the place. But it's like make space. Like it's a friend of mine said to me, this actress, she said to me, wouldn't it be great if people just made space to let people be in their own evolution? And then like as long as they're not hurting anyone or hurting themselves, but like be in their own evolution and like really express from that place of evolution. And I think the body itself, you know, when we come to health and wellness, like when I work with friends of mine who are athletes, athletes and clients who are athletes, you know, we talk about, we do a lot, I do a lot of stuff with like pre and post. So like they come in before they go into what they're going to do. Like if it's a triathlon, you know, um, they come in, work with me. The things they work on is like working on their mind, talking, like getting their mind to be able to talk to their body so that they have the optimum level of power when they're, when they're, when they're running or when they're in the, when they're fighting, whenever they're doing, uh, when they're skiing, when they're snowboarding is to get their body in such a synthesis that there is no part of them that's going to be off. So they're like, they want high performance. So I get their mind to learn how to communicate to the emotions in their body to communicate to the mind and I show them how to program their body to make it so that it, it, it's sharp in that way. The pre and post off the, from the post aspect is how do we cool down? How do we, how do we get into a space that now I just did this intense thing, my body needs recovery. How do I create the highest level of recovery for what I just went through so that way I can go do it again? Okay. So it's, it's really interesting um, how much spirit plays a part in our adaptation and in the way we actually operate in the way we move our bodies, the way we communicate and how healthy we are in our body. Like I have taught so many bodybuilders and people who are athletes how to take the highest performance of their body, not just with the biohacking that they're doing, but with the spirit hacking, which I, which I designed to teach people the mobility of how energy moves through their body, through sound, through movement, through the way they talk to themselves, through the communication they're receiving from the outside world. Some athletes, I tell them to separate themselves from people w before they go into doing what they're about to do because all of those synthesis is like around them. Like, let me give you an example. I do the same thing before doing like any kind of public speaking or workshop or anything like that. Do you separate yourself? Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not, I mean, I'm, I was going to say I'm kind of a dickhead, but I'm not really a dick. I'm, I'm still pretty nice, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll um, I can I'm come dead. up. I did, <laughs> I did it last night. I went to get, I to, Erwan, whatever, you get some food. Erwan's like a pretentious grocery store place. Um, and yeah, there was a, a friend there and we were sitting down eating and I had to ask him because I was about to go do a podcast interview thing, whatever. I was just gassed. I was like, can we just not talk? And I think that's something that we rarely ask permission for is like, I love you. It's all good. Could we say nothing? Fantastic. <laughs> Would yes. that be okay? It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and during that time, it's like, okay, collect, 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 and then actually show up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very, and you know what? And I'm, I'm glad that you did that because I think that in the relationships, that's important. I always tell women, please stop asking their men what they're thinking when they're quiet. It's like, it's, yeah, such, right. it's such an yeah, invasion. Let him, let him have it. It's like literally you're, you're, you're penetrating him in, a, in, in another way. Yeah. He's processing. Yeah. It's like, he's processing. And the thing is like, you could coexist. Like I have friends who will come to my house and we don't have to talk. Like they can be doing their thing. Someone could be painting. Someone could be reading a book. And I could be like doing something else. We don't need to talk. We just by being next to each other is fine. Yeah. And I think that people put the empty space in their home. They have to fill it up. They have empty space in, in their communication. Like if they sit on a table, they right. can't just be in silence. They feel like they have to talk. You know, there's times where I've been to dinner with friends and I just eat and we were just being quiet. And then we talked a little bit after and we had such a great time together. Yeah. It's 
Again, it's these programs that we've accepted about the idea of scarcity. We've, we have a very obscure understanding of scarcity. That's why Christmas time is so interesting for me to engage and watch obs- in observation is watching how these parents are destroying their kids' lives by buying all of these toys which create a high level of synthesis and bombardment on a child because a child has a- hairs in their ear that allow them to have a stronger synthesis. So not only are they bombarding them, they're, 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 they're creating a disruptor inside of their emotional selves. So that means that child gets all those toys, the child's only going to play with a little bit of those toys, but because those other toys are there, the child thinks, well, maybe I should play with those two, but then they know they want to play with these toys. So it starts creating this, this idea that there's lack. And so they grow up with this idea that if they don't have every space filled in, if they don't have a home and there's an empty wall or an empty place, or if they don't have a lot of stuff, yeah. they're not safe. Should we, how do you want to jump over to the other side? We've been, oh, geez. Yeah, time went. I'm going to put my chip in and we're just going to go in. Right, should we swap over? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's do that. How do people... So you have a, a book coming out, Dave Asprey, who he hasn't been on here, actually. Um, he's done the forward for you. You're on... We uh, haven't done the forward yet because I want uh, him to read through the whole book. Okay, well, whatever. You got a, you got a book coming up that I'm super excited <laughs> to read. Somebody's going to do it for it. Um, and then... It's called Spirit Hackers, yes. Yeah, what's the thing you're doing on the doctors? You got something... Yeah, so I'm on the doctors um, February 2nd. And watch, it, um, I go on... I'm actually the first spiritual person that they've brought on, which is really great. That's dope. And um, I, show them, I show them how to access synthesis. I show them how to, to build... and en- To create energy out of midair and actually feel it in in the in like in their body to feel it in their hands. So I have one doctor. She actually holds out her hand, and I actually have, I teach her how to harness energy in her hand and then transfer it to another area of her body. And I talk about um, different things we can do to lower cortisol, certain things we can do to to, in, to engage our system to have more optimum health. And I talk about um, the ways in which we can operate within ourselves so that we're creating a stronger synthesis in our body, both mentally and emotionally, so we can get the best out of ourselves. And the doctors awesome. were they were shocked. They were just like. What? And it was great because the doctor at the end was like, wow, you're, you're, he was, he was like, wow, I really respect the work that you're doing. And he's like, that's why we're so happy to have you on because a lot of, I've worked with doctors my whole life. I started my first doctor I ever worked with this guy named Dr. David. I was, um, 16 years old, I was working in his place at the San Francisco Medical Research Foundation, and he was researching both holistic and allopathic understandings of treatments for terminal illness um, people, um, patients. And um, I would go there, and he was teaching me about blue-green algae, and he was teaching me about kombucha, and all these things that you see today that's inside of like stores like you go to like Air One and, all, and Whole Foods and all that. Mm-hmm. But these things were like not talked about. You know, This was the early 80s. And so for me, it was um, quite an experience having to work with that doctor and then I started working with other doctors so to be on the doctors was kind of like a turnabout for me for them to acknowledge that like what Shaman Durek has to say has value in the world of of, of the medical world and so that was really great so that comes out February 2nd and um yeah, I've got some other really great, uh, the book comes out on October 7th of next year. And I've got a lot of other great things that I'm going to be doing with Dave Asprey. We're, we're doing some stuff with his labs, a shamanic experience with his labs that we're doing. And I'm doing stuff with uh, Mind Valley. I'm going to be on the Mind Valley um, on their new uh, app that they have. So it's going to be, I'm going to do a lot of teachings there too. So Where's the best place to point people from here? One place. To my Instagram, to Shaman cool. Durek Instagram, or shamandurek.com. And great. they can get all the information. How do you spell, how do you spell it? Shaman Durek is S-H-A-M-A-N-D-U-R-E-K. Bam. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> Thank you. You're the best. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's go for a little, a little nature, a little nature walk really quick, and then we'll jump on the other side. Okay, let me just look at that. Okay, let's do that. All right. Boom. Over and out. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I want to present y'all with a fun opportunity of starting a program that I created called the Align Method Online Program that focuses on unwinding the unsightly patterns of staring into technology, essentially. So forward head posture, roll forward shoulders, hyperkyphotic spine, disengage glutes, knees collapsing in. If there's collapse in any level in the body, it will trickle up and down through the rest of the system. And that program focuses on unwinding those things, giving you self-care practices, movement practices, and lifestyle adjustments, very subtle ones, that will give y'all more flexibility, more strength, more confidence, more energy, all the good things. Um, And you can start the first week absolutely free and just go to alignpodcast.com slash align method, A-L-I-G-N method. 
Along with that guy, you will receive the Aligned Band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band with a door anchor. And that also comes with its own online program that is free with that thing. Go to AlignedBand.com and start that program for free. Um, I think that's it. I so greatly appreciate you guys listening to this conversation. So greatly appreciate reviews on iTunes, sharing uh, on the Instagrams or the Facebooks or wherever you do your shares. Uh, this program goes on, lives on because of y'all. So um, it doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reviews. Thanks for joining your life. Enjoy.